Where's my medicine remix? Guys, come on, get to it. You got a job to do. You got a community waiting for your opinions. Chop chop. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remix. Yo, what up? If you're hearing this, we're hoping it's out before the festivities of July 4th. But this is your boy D, this is Medicine Remixed, and we have the pleasure of bringing you an interview that I did here recently with a good buddy of mine, Dr. Darnell Brown. He is a current fellow in acute and reconstructive burn surgery at the prestigious Harvard, and he's doing some work at MGH there, the big hospital. I know Darnell, I've known Darnell for a while now. Um, we actually completed our postback program in Buffalo. And from there, we went our separate ways. I ended up at the University of Rochester in upstate New York, and he ended up at New York Medical College. And it's interesting because going into med school, he was dead set on going into psychiatry. And as it turns out, uh, he shared with me that on his rotations, somebody gave him a compliment on his hands. Not, hey, nice hands, <laughs> but more like, hey, nice hands. And uh, his dexterity and good motor skills were complimented. And he thought, well, maybe I should pursue this. Um, there were some things, some techniques that were easy for him to pick up. And he just, overall, people believe he had a good feel for it. And he said he hadn't really considered it. And before you know it, he's going into general surgery. And then before you know it, he's in fellowship. And that's where he's at now. And, you know, it was real fun catching up with him because actually the conversation that you guys are going to hear is the first conversation I've had with him in, man, wow, maybe seven years? Jeez, Darnell, my bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So we just caught up and really, um, we had been wanting to have a talk more. I thought it was going to go the route of, you know, firework injuries and things like that. But we just decided to see where it went. And I think there's some pretty good, very practical information that came out of it that I think you'd benefit from hearing. So without further ado, let's jump in and feel the burn. Man, you corny! <laughs> I didn't have anything better, Reese. Sorry. Um, my conversation with the powerful Dr. Darnell Brown. Enjoy. Documentary. Documentary. Who's the doc that he told you to go see? Hey guys, how's it going? My name's Darnell Brown. I am uh, the acute reconstructive burn surgery fellow at Man's Greatest Hospital here in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, I'm excited to be with everybody today and talk about a little bit of fire prevention and burn type issues, drop some knowledge on people, and sort of food for thought and things to think about, keeping everybody safe this holiday season. So thanks for having me, D. Oh man, it's my pleasure. I Just hearing you say that, I'm curious, like, you know, you start thinking you want to be part of this field. Does fire, as a problem or a hazard or as the cause of an injury going into the field was that sort of 
like you knew that Burns was a big deal because honestly when I think of fire I think of super rare like I don't know any of anybody's home was burned down I don't know if anybody's been in a car that caught fire it, it seems pretty rare uh you know it's maybe for the general public it's pretty rare but it's my job and I'm telling you man I do cases every day tens of patients every day in clinic patients admitted to the floor consults everywhere phone calls from surrounding states you know we're the regional burn center for basically New England and we get people from all over the place man up in New Hampshire Vermont here locally in Massachusetts and uh, it's a very common problem and yes fire is a big deal but there's so many other different types of you know mechanisms for why somebody can get burned you know right. flame is just one that's just one thermal injury anything where you can transfer heat it can get transferred to a human body and it can cause a lot of serious damage and problems you know? electrical burns chemical burns scald burns which is when you have hot liquids typically water you can also have hot transfer of heat from oils and hot glue you know kids playing with glue guns all kinds of things inhaling hot smoke not a great thing also right these are all things that can cause burns and we see them every day here so let's imagine this scenario that's obviously not hard for you to do uh, somebody walks in the emergency room, they got a burn. It's, uh, let's say, upper body. Let's say it's somebody's hand and arm. Structurally, the limb's still attached, they got full function of it, but it's obviously a burn. When you look at it, what is it the first thing you're looking at? We take a step back and we sort of, you have to realize that there are several layers to a person's skin. Yeah. Kind of like an onion, as Shrek would say. Layers! Onions have layers. Ogres! have layers. Onions have layers? You get it. We both have layers. <sighs> right. You know, there's a lot of layers to the skin. The two main layers of the skin really are the epidermis and then the dermis. Oh, okay. The epidermis is kind of the top outermost layer of your skin. That's really the one that's kind of waterproof and that's the barrier that kind of creates your skin tone and things of that nature. Right. The dermis is kind of the next layer, like right underneath the epidermis. And that's the layer that has a lot of connective tissue in it. That's the one that holds your hair follicles and your sweat glands. And then there's like deeper tissue under that subcutaneous tissue, hypodermis, which is fat and other connective tissue and stuff like that. Wow. The two main layers that we really care about when we talk about people who have any kind of burn injury are the epidermis and the dermis. And that sort of are the ones that we care about the most because those are the ones that cause problems with losing fluid and losing heat and then you can't regulate your body temperature and things like that. Even things as simple as a sunburn. There's not even a flame. Right. It, sunburns can cause second degree burns. Worst. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I don't think people realize that there's this fucking giant ball of fire in the sky, yeah. you know, all the time that will fucking cook you. Like, <laughs> it'll, it'll fucking you. burn you. That's right, man. You know, and, you know, most of us are removed from the elements because, you know, we are advanced human beings for the most part. But when you're talking sunburn, because I'm, I'm sure that's not the sexy thought that people have when they think of like, oh, you know, you fucking treat burns. You know, people think, ah, it's a fucking sunburn. Like, what's the big deal? Uh, it's, a, it's actually a huge deal, dude. Oh, um, so when we talk about burns, there's really three different types of degrees of being burned, right? You've got like your first degree burns, your second degree burns, and your third degree burns. The first degree burns are like the very common ones that you just sort of mentioned, like sunburns. Those are the ones that are really superficial, they're red, they're painful, and they basically just kind of cook and affect the outermost layer of your skin, the painful layer, which is the epidermis. And that's the outermost layer where it kind of hurts a lot. That's when people start like peeling and things like that. Right. Second degree burns are a little bit deeper and they're sort of partial thickness. 
this is where you can people get like blisters and things like that. They can get swollen. They also be very painful and you can get like fluid buildup and you get the fluid buildup because you're basically injuring partially thick through the epidermis and the dermis so that you, you start leaking out fluid from your dermis to your injured overlying epidermis and fluid kind of build up in between the layers and you get a blister. Right. Very similar to like if you somebody, if you would imagine like friction, who thinks of friction, right? right. Frictions, you know, you rub your hands together, your hands get hot. It's cold outside, you're sitting by the fire. But really advanced friction is like, you know, you're riding your bicycle, you do that crazy jump and you fall off and you like, you know, slide across the ground, but you got some pants on, but you know, you can have a friction injury or a burn. Or for kids, they're running around behind somebody, mom and dad are on the treadmill and they hit the treadmill that's going however fast you're going, six miles an hour or whatever it is. And uh, you can get a friction burn and it's basically a shearing force of your epidermis on top of your dermis and those layers are stuck together and now you're just shearing them apart and that shearing causes a mechanical injury but it can also cause a heat injury right yeah i guess you know until you said it i, I never consciously thought about it like you know when somebody says like oh i got a blood blister uh-huh. and you look at something and you say like you were describing fluid behind uh the epidermis you're losing fluid but it's trapped under there it's kind of weird to think of yeah you're damaging layers the layers of your skin beneath it and it's just this cheap sort of coating that's fucking barely hanging on that's holding this stuff in that the second you compromise those two layers that shit just kind of cascades pretty quickly yeah and your outermost layer your epidermis is the sort of water barrier and so when that gets disrupted you start leaking and oozing like a mofo right because there's no layer there to stop it from leaking and you're not waterproof anymore in that particular part which opens you up for like getting infections and other things of that nature because you're disrupting the natural barrier of the skin right so speaking of barriers so we're getting ready to go out it's you know fourth of july is coming everybody's you know, got their bathing suits and everybody's jazzed up, ready to go. They go through all the pregame stuff, uh, beer check, sunglasses check, suntan lotion check, lather each other up. Yeah, hey, get my back, I'll get yours. Everybody's good. And I don't honestly think I've ever seen anybody like out at the beach after being out for a couple hours reapply sunblock i don't think i've ever seen it you know what that's uh i'm glad you brought that up because that's a i would say that's probably more of a big problem compared to somebody setting their house on fire and burning down the house right because i think what you just brought up really does affect more people real life because as you said you're walking outside with this radiating ball of energy in the sky that's just ready to cook you right you know and and instead of going out and get some cocoa butter and baby oil so you can fry yourself up people what they do is they put sunblock on and what they do is they have this false sense of security you know they have this sort of one and done mindset they apply a little bit and uh, they run around and there's two things that happen really number one is when they're applying their sunblock they usually nobody's super thorough Right. right? You just slap you just fucking slap a hand on your friend's back. Right. Bam. And he's got a handprint on his back. True story, you can actually do that with sunblock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what ends up happening is you also you your spotty, your rush, you miss a lot of spots, and the spots that you miss, they get hit by most of the, the damaging rays of the sun. We're talking about the UVA and UVB, the ultraviolet A and B rays. Those are the ones that are really the radiation emitted by the sun, and that can lead to serious skin damage, sunburns, permanent skin damage, and increases your risk of cancer. 
and skin cancer. We're talking squamous cell carcinoma and mm. stuff like that. And so, you know, you missed all these spots because you do a shitty job applying it. And then the other thing is you do have to reapply after a while because two reasons. The sunblock wears off. Our technology is pretty good nowadays that the sunblock is really sort of solid and strong and it doesn't wear off because the rays of the sun are somehow beating it down and it's wearing out its blocking effect. But right. you're rolling around in the blanket, playing touch football, volleyball, and you're swimming in the water and you're like rubbing off the sunblock and everything like that. Yeah. But the, the other thing that the reapplication process does is it sort of helps you go back over your tracks and there's a higher chance that you'll reapply and hit the spot that you missed the first time when you were rushing because you had to grab the six-pack as you were running out the door. Right. So having the reapplication process sort of helps with missing some of those spots that may have initially been missed. And you really should be reapplying, you know, every two hours or so if you're going to be hanging out instead of one done eight o'clock in the morning and then 10 hours later, you're at the fire pit hanging out still in the sun. Yeah, yeah. You know, generally those festivities, you know, people come out the next day. And I would imagine that by that point, you got your tan kind of working in, right? You're you're sort of pre-cooked at this point. At that point, is it even worth, say I'm burned already. Oh man, I think I cooked myself. (laughs) Look at your skin. Stick a fork in me, Jerry. I'm done. (laughs) Am I reapplying this stuff? Should I bother? Should I even be out there? That's a Excellent question, D. So, you know, I was actually just in clinic uh, the other day and somebody asked that very same question. They were like, oh, I just had this burn. Uh, it's all healed up and everything now. I can just go right back out to the sun and then it'll be all right because, you know, I'm, I'm fine. Do I have to reapply? Yeah, you should You should put sunblock back on and cover that area because what you've done is you've fried off the outermost layer or you've injured the outermost layer or you've weakened it and now it's more susceptible to getting injured and it's more susceptible to getting hurt yeah so when we have people who have serious burns and they're sort of recovering from them and we may not have to do surgery on them but we sort of are managing them non-operatively as we say with medical therapy sometimes with antibiotics sometimes with just dressing changes and things like that and moisturizer right you definitely have to keep the skin moist you definitely have to reapply sunblock on it because it's more likely to get injured and the reason this is important and this is probably what's going to hit most of the kitties nowadays when you have like you know your 18 year old running out and not even caring about it is you can have skin damage that is you can have hyperpigmentation or hypopigmentation which means you can have sort of uneven and discoloration of your skin over a period of time and that can be permanent everybody's seen the people running around with like that leathery charred looking brown skin they look like they're like leather hide like they've been riding the sunset for a long period of time yeah yeah it's rough it's rough. Yeah, it's, it's not the way people usually want to go while they're having fun in the sun. Right. You know, the thing that always strikes me is you can go out there, have fun in the sun. You know, it might hurt a little bit or maybe not, you know, the next day. Three days in, you start peeling. You know, you got skin kind of just sloughing off. And, <laughs> you know, at that point, the damage is done. Yeah. Once you start blistering and you start peeling, the damage is done. All those people who are lifeguards and everybody else, yeah, it, it's the damage is already done. And there's actually a higher chance the more times you get burned when you're younger, and there's a correlation to that and you developing skin cancer later. Wow. So if you're hanging out and you or you're going to like this tanning booth and you're sort of like burning yourself, healing and burning yourself and healing and burning yourself and healing, 
that leads to sort of a dysregulation potentially later on where, you know, cancer is an uncontrolled growth of things because it's being burned and healing, it's being burned and healing, and eventually it's healing and there's no injury and it leads to sort of a buildup and it can turn to sort of a metastatic or cancerous type lesion or change later. Gotcha. So, um... For the people who are convinced, I actually saw something recently. Um, I think it was propaganda from like a a local uh, tanning bed place praising the benefits of tanning. You know, they had all this random goodness about it and how it was a safe alternative. Um, okay, this is news to me. Without saying as much, you know, but that was the idea. Any truth to it? Yeah, why don't I just lay in a uh, cancer tube? Right. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Right. We'll just put we'll just put the heat really close to your skin, and then we'll give you these little suction cups to cover your nips. Right. And then maybe some for your eyes. Then we'll just fry you. But let's lather you up in some butter or you know some cocoa butter first, and then we'll, we'll stick you in the tube. Yeah. Then then we'll make it all good. Probably smells like Kentucky Fried Chicken in that thing. Yeah. Hey man, I'm more of a Popeyes fan. You would appreciate that coming from the side. I, I, I Popeyes is the shit. I, I love Popeyes. You know. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're legit. So maybe part of the problem is this is a cumulative thing, right? It's a cumulative thing. Yep. And that's a hard sell for a kid. So is the reapplication process. I mean, a lot of these things are preventable, you know, as, as you said earlier on. And a lot of potential things with, you know, burn injuries and burn traumas and things like that. A lot of them are preventable, not just dealing with the beach and your skin and sunblock. But any of the other things that could be fire risk, I'm not talking about just you know, fireworks and different things like that. Even things like fire pits or barbecuing and things like that. Well, I woke up to go give me a cold pop. Then I thought somebody was barbecuing. I said, oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire. All these things can be potentially preventable if you take cautious steps and they're not so cavalier with you know how you're dealing with accelerants or flame and things like that you know there's a couple of different things like let's take a step back let's let's leave the beach now let's say you're you're done at the beach and you're going back to your buddy's place and you want to have a little barbecue you know you don't want the party to stop you want to go and barbecue and things like that other common things that end up happening are people end up burning themselves on you know hot water skull burn you say you want to go make some what do they call that street corn mexican street corn oh yeah you know, yeah boil up some corn it's like freaking delicious Right. Sometimes people, uh, they when they're boiling their corn and stuff like that, they're carrying around a pail of hot water. You can get a scald burn, which is a burn injury from the transfer heat from fluids, and you spill hot water on yourself. And those usually can blister, and that means you have a partial thickness burn injury now. Happens all the time, man. All the time. So, you know, maybe you should drain the water out before you start carrying out the, the pot of hot boiling water and corn. Right. If you're barbecuing when you're actually lighting your grill, try to use the minimal amount of accelerant when you're actually starting to grill. Try to keep your face near it. Make sure you actually have a, a lighter that is not your regular lighter when you're smoking cigarettes. And Yeah, th- I mean, I guess some, some basic mechanical sort of protocols. Uh-huh. So this reminded me of something. When I was a kid, I worked at a Carl's Jr. at a fast food restaurant. Well, we could do it your way, but don't get crazy. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've ever worked at one or been behind the counter of one, but the floors are fucking covered in grease. (laughs) And you got these fucking clogs on, you know, you're back there in like fucking work boots and you're just fucking sliding everywhere. And you know, at night you're supposed to clean the floors and all they would do is they would take hot water 
and like dump it on the floors because they had drains in the middle of the cooking area. And it, it would get some of it off, but it wasn't, we were a bunch of fucking high school kids. We're not trying to clean the place. We're trying to get the fuck out of there. And, and uh, part of it was you had to drain the grease. So there was like a, I don't know, like a little drain in the fryer and it would collect underneath and then you, it was the worst design ever because now you had like a, a, a pail on the ground with wheels with hot fucking grease on a greasy floor with a stupid 18 year old. Oh God. You'd be pushing this thing and if you went around a corner too quick, it starts fucking sloshing back and forth. Well, one day this fucking kid is doing that and allegedly somebody was throwing uh, toys from the Happy Meal things into the grease. And nice. Yeah, and he was trying to dodge. And anyway, long story short, splashes the hot grease on his arm, and he's fucking screaming. And the lady working there, like I don't even know if she was the manager. She was the oldest lady there. She drove him to the hospital, but before she took him, you may not be able to find any logic in it. But she cut up tomatoes. Huh? Oh, dude, <laughs> there are all kinds of um, old wives' tales for what people put on things, dude. <laughs> yeah. We had we had this one we had this one guy. I don't know what he was thinking. He uh, it wasn't even him. It was his. I think it was his wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she like burned herself by like spilling some hot oil or something like that on herself yeah he went outside and he went and he got some brick dust what oh jesus christ <laughs> i can't even tell you man i and he he like took some old ready bricks from like <laughs> the side of the house ground up the brick Damn. <laughs> made it into like this dust and like rubbed the oh. dust into the burn from like outside like off the back no, of the shed but all kinds of bacteria no, <laughs> it was no. so good man i i had never heard of oh um, my god that's some old italian shit i don't know i don't know what country he was from man but i had never heard that before and i thought it was <laughs> That was the best thing I've. I mean, I've heard of people rubbing like toothpaste and you know, freaking baking soda and, yeah. and different things. Yeah. You know, the best thing you can do is like thoroughly irrigate any of your burn injuries. Try to get whatever is stuck on it off. Right. If you can get it off safely, because what ends up happening is whatever is stuck to it locks in the magic and it just locks in the heat and it deepens the burn injury. Right. So before when we were talking about our first and your second degree burns with their partial thickness and superficial, what ends up happening is you get third degree burns and that's full thickness. It goes through the epidermis and the dermis and it basically kills the whole thing. So if you ever have a burn and it's white, it's full thickness. That means it's not coming back to life. That means it's dead. Gotcha. You <laughs> and can be another thing, the other thing that's confusing about it, this is actually the best part that's confusing about it, is people are like, oh no, no, it's okay, it doesn't hurt. It's Fine. Yeah, you know why it doesn't hurt? Because it's dead. <laughs> right. So if it doesn't hurt, that's bad. That means it's really deep. Wait a minute, this is too deep. Too deep. And it's full thickness and it's it's never gonna come back. It's it's pretty much it's dead. Gotcha. Oh, my point of that was remove whatever, you know, so your situation where you're, you know, in the back of the Carl's Jr. or whatever, and right. flopping around and if there's like a hot piece of plastic or glue gun and it like sticks to your skin and you need to get that off. Anything needs to get off. We have some bad situations with regards to like hot things sticking to you. Yeah. And we had a couple of people actually over the past, you know, year or so since I've been up here. You know the guys that paint uh, the road 
the lines in the road and stuff like that. Right, right. Super, super hot, very durable, very thick, very viscous paint. Yeah. That stuff is wicked hot. We had a couple guys, and one of them was working in the back of the truck, and one of the like gaskets like popped and blew off. Jesus. Yeah, painting lines on the side of the street rate himself with the stuff in the face for whatever reason yeah. and uh, did he yeah. put brick dust on it dust all on over it. his face you know what he didn't do this is what he didn't do he didn't pull all the shit off uh. and then it just stayed on wherever it happened to be on and just deepened the burn in those areas and those areas typically were deeper you yeah. know when we talk about like skull burns with water versus oil burns and things sure, like that sure. it actually takes uh, more heat more energy for oil and other things to get hot to the point that it's liquefying where it's bubbling and boiling whoa so they actually just carry more heat so if somebody got splashed with hot boiling water or hot boiling oil typically the hot boiling oil is gonna have a deeper burn injury right it's gonna be transferring more energy yep it's transferring more energy because it's starting with more energy and it's holding more energy and yep man Mm -hmm. so uh, any difference in how one should approach shit like that depending on the part of the body my face versus my torso my torso versus my foot not really major killer you gotta sort of get everything that's hot off so a lot of times what ends up happening sometimes too especially when we're talking about oil or even boiling water or even fire stuff like that you got to get the stuff off of you which sometimes includes getting the clothes off of you because the clothes are holding on to the heat too because the clothes are holding on to the whatever material is on them. Right. You know, in addition to stop, drop, and roll, you should probably take whatever is on fire, whatever's hot off of you too. So you can get it off of your skin and actually be able to thoroughly rinse your skin. Talk to them. And am I covering it when I'm in route? Am I wrapping it and shit? The most important thing is after you get it all off and thoroughly irrigated is to try to keep it moist, you know? So when you sort of have blisters that pop and burst and you lose sort of your outermost layer of your skin, right? that means you know your protective skin layer and your barrier is gone so you're gonna leak fluid and you know and this happens a lot in really really badly burned patients and we see a lot of badly burned patients that you know they're like 50 60 70 even like up to 80 90 percent burn injuries and they have basically no ability to regulate their temperature because their skin which was regulating their temperature and regulating the fluid shifts in their body it's not there anymore right dysfunctional and you basically can lose a huge amount of insensible loss so you have a huge amount of loss of the fluids that are in your blood and as you know we're 70 percent made of water and whatnot right. so if you start leaking all your water you can have some huge problems with stresses on your heart and uh you know your cardiovascular system especially if you're older or you have other comorbidities and things like that right yeah that, that's just no fun we had a we had a guy in in the hospitals maybe a couple years ago he um burned himself he was trying to kill himself um he was in a wheelchair and just doused himself in gasoline and lit himself on fire and didn't die obviously um i never understood that man why would you pick that mode of i don't yeah suicide or why would you pick that mode to it's a brutal one man it's so pain i mean listen if you were depressed before yeah and you needed to cry out for help you're gonna be really depressed now and because any you know deep third degree burns gonna leave some sort of scar or some sort of injury right even some deep second degree burns that are like affecting the deeper layers of the dermis there's usually gonna be some sort of scar or some sort of discoloration or something that's gonna be sort of there so 
you know, if you weren't happy before because of whatever reason, now you're going to be scarred and have something permanent. And that's part of the reason why I decided to go into burn surgery. You know, like you, who's interested in, you know, the mind and the healing of the mind, having a severe burn injury is totally life altering. You have a scar, it's part, and you wear it on your sleeve or on your face. Yeah. And, and not even just the visual aspect of it. When people are really badly burned, they have severe functional problems. Right. Like, you know, you can't straighten your arm out. You can't use your hand. You can't straighten your leg out. Right. You know, you fall in a fire pit or something like that and you burn your ass and you can't sit on it or you're like, you know, you start getting like contractures and things like that. Right. These are all like important things. Yeah. No, there's, you know, the toughest part was whenever I, you know, I'd be rounding on and not just that one patient. We had a lot of people who had self-inflicted burns, but I'd have to get there early before fucking dressing changes because they'd fucking drug them up because they were in such pain from just like having fucking wound care visit them. Uh, I'd go and they'd be fucking half, you know, passed out from their dilated, you know, just completely just mumbling and not saying anything coherent. But but something I never understood was this idea of like these scrubbings that have to happen, like to pre okay. prevent scarring apparently. I mean, so wound care is very, very important right. in the world of burn surgery. We have some of the most fantastic burn nurses here and they have a really, really hard job because burns are painful, man. Sure. There's no doubt that they are painful. And our nurses here have to do a lot of dressing changes. And part of the reason you got to do the dressing changes is, you know, number one, you got to sort of evaluate the healing process. Number two, you have to keep the wounds clean. Right. Number three, the, the dressing changes help debride some of the dead tissue potentially uh, so right. you can get it all off. And that's actually a very important thing because what ends up happening as part of a problem with people who have bad burns, you can get infections. And then when you get infections, it can actually sort of spread the injury or deepen the injury right. in some way. And then that can lead to further scarring. Well, it, so. it'd be like a, a giant mouth, right? You're like a just one giant mucous membrane exposed, ready to be septic at any point. Yeah, pretty much, man. Except your mouth is probably better. Probably better, than yeah. Skin. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and speaking of mouth, so chemical burns. Yeah. You know, you get a lot of you know, randomness and in the middle of party, the kid got a hold of some cleaner and drank it or, you know, didn't know what it was. I actually had a guy who, I'm not convinced, but he was a young guy. He ended up being transferred to our facility after he stabilized in the hospital, drank half a pint of pine salt. Oh, and he claimed that he thought it was mouthwash <laughs> and said it was in the middle of the night and he went to the uh, bathroom and he reached under to grab the... Oh, no. Yeah, but, but you don't drink fucking Listerine, you know? Yeah. Usually you don't swallow. Right, I right. mean, maybe maybe you maybe you do. Well, but. You know, I mean, <laughs> depending on, the, de depending on you know, what, what kind of money we're talking about. But... That's true. But... You know, so the, the the guy ends up, you know, chugging a bunch of this pine salt and it, he had, I mean, we're talking just pine salt. We're not talking bleach. We're not talking, you know, anything that you would think is necessarily abrasive or, or you know, like just bad. I mean, obviously it's bad, but um, that dude was fucked up for so long. Oh, God, man. You want to hear? All right. So there are some cases that I've heard and I've read and um, I can't think of anybody in particular, but there are some cases that are out there that people have 
drunk a variety of different cleaning supplies and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it just literally just melts the inside like the esophagus burns mm-hmm. it right through stomach burns it right through i even heard of cases where it burns a hole in your stomach while it's burning a hole in your stomach it leaks out of your stomach God damn, God damn. Oh, and then Jesus. right near and then right near your stomach there's a lot of important things yeah like uh, colon yeah, blood vessels just perforate I, I, everything just perforate everything it just burns holes right into your colon and yep holes and everything jesus it's actually more like you're melting yourself from the inside oh god and the reason for this is most cleaning pro- so this is a good question for the audience who's listening you know when people talk about oh would you rather get burned by acid or would you rather get burned by a base you know right. i think most people are like oh acid's bad like that's not good you don't want to get burned by acid right but things that are bases and really strong bases and alkaline you know that's the things that have like higher phs like most cleaning supplies and things like that sure. like lye and stuff like that no lie, no lie, no lie, yeah, yeah. those are actually worse burns than the acid what and part of the reason they're worse burns compared to the acids is because they sort of generate a process that's called liquefactive necrosis oh. and the liquefactive necrosis is what is deeper mm-hmm. and so what that basically is doing is it's denaturing the proteins of whatever is you know it's touching your skin your mucosa right. organs and so it's, it's denaturing the proteins and it's sort of it basically is melting you from the inside So you actually have worse injuries when we're talking about chemicals since you brought it up. Right. Yeah. So the equivalent of the fucking uh, brick dust and the tomato um, <laughs> is, you know, your kid drinks bleach, you have him drink milk, you make him throw up, you give him peroxide. <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> there's all this shit that people do. And, you know, God forbid it's something that's already done its damage and you're bringing it back up to do more damage. But generally when something's ingested, rule number one is what find out what they're ingested with find the bottle find the container find the whatever it is right call your local poison control center right that's your go-to money answer gotcha so that's that's where it should go i think when we're talking about when you need to have evaluations and stuff like that right the uh there are certain criteria that are generated by the American Burn Association, and that's like the governing body for burns and burn injury management and prevention and things like that here in the U.S. Right. And there are certain criteria that are important for going to a burn center for having evaluation or from another emergency room that needs to refer to a burn center. These like referral criteria and things like that. Right. And typically, there's like a few of them. Some of them are actually very intuitive. Some of them are kind of not. Anybody that's very, very old or very, very young and they're, you know, they've got more than 10% of uh, partial thickness burns, these people, partial thickness burns are like TBSA. These people should be sort of evaluated by a burn center. So what does 10% look like? That's a good question. So generally speaking, what we talk about is we talk about somebody's palmar hand surface. If you hold your hand up and sort of put your hand out there, the right. palmar surface, including your fingertips and stuff like that, roughly is about 1% of your total body surface area for your size and for your age. So if you were to lay that all over your body a hundred times, that's pretty much 1%. Gotcha. And that's sort of how we estimate things. There are also other diagrams and stuff like that. We talked sure, about sure. the rule of nines and stuff like that. And right, depends right. on if they're older or younger. That I think would bore the audience mm. if I start doing mathematics and yeah, telling no, them about no, all no. that stuff. But but what I can tell you is that one percent is like your genitalia. Maybe you, burn you bro. Maybe you bro. <laughs> But you, you got you got two percent, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm an easy fucking two.
Easy. 2%. 2%. <laughs> it's like how much of your uh, brain do you use, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. That, that's, yeah. that's more of a wonder for sure. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So now that you mention it, I don't think I have that number programmed in my phone. I definitely should. Absolutely. Poison know. control. It could be anything. Drinking, anything. That, yeah. And that, number one, you got to know what it is. What it is. So you got to find the bottle or right. get the container. Otherwise, people don't know how to treat it and know how to deal with it. Right. Um, so, not to double back, but to double back around back to, to sunburn. So, you suffer the sunburn, you're fucked up already. Um, in terms of caring for that, because, you know, we talked about um, wound care and uh, infection prevention and somebody's got a, like a, a bad burn. But you have people who have these burns, these sunburns, and they're blistering up. And, you know, somebody's putting fucking lotion. Somebody's saying, oh, man, aloe vera. Somebody's putting fucking acetracin on it. Somebody's got, you know, that Neosporin shit all over their back. And any of it makes shit worse. Is anything a terrible idea? So the worst thing you could do to some minor burn injuries, which is what you're talking about, right. including not just sunburns, but even if you, like, minorly burn your hand on, like, some boiling water or something like that or your foot. Right. You spill the pot. Probably, I would say one of the worst things you could do is put freezing cold water or ice on the injury. Thinking, oh, it was really, really hot. Let me make it really, really cold. Right. Because that's, that's my caveman. Brain. You should use cool water or you should use something that's, you know, cooler and get the hot stuff off. Yes. But what ends up happening is, and, and we see this a lot of here in Boston, man. You can actually give yourself a cold injury and a cold burn, also known as frostbite. Right. <laughs> and so, because if you leave it sitting there because it hurts or it feels better, it has like a nice cooling and a nice numbing effect. Right. But it can also have uh, such a cooling effect that it's actually freezing and killing the tissue. Sure. And I can see that. So you can actually, yeah. So you can actually, that's probably one of the worst things you could totally do for something like that is expose it to extreme, extreme cold and not have like a buffer there and leave it on for too long is the other thing. Right. Because there's sort of a relationship between how cold something is or how hot something is and like the contact time that it's on you, which is why it's important for you to wash off the hot thing. Gotcha. For you to warm up the cold surface if we're talking about frostbite and stuff like that. So many people go, you know, skiing, snowboarding, hiking, but this is a different season. We can talk about that. In the sure, sure. The, the reason people use different types of triple antibiotics, bestrace and neosporin, right. et cetera, on, on their, they're just trying to prevent, you know, secondary wound infections. And and also the ointments help keep the area moist, which is important so that you can have re-epithelialization, which is the recreating the outermost layer of your skin so that you can sort of seal off your burn injury oh okay right no no that, that makes that makes complete sense oh well, good yeah and I, I that's a good point about cooling an area down I, I i i've seen it i've seen people go like you know the second you burn something you know they're fucking straight you know ice cube on the skin you know yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. like i oh, just get the peas and they leave them there right and sit there and it freezes out and then yeah that's not great right gotcha. probably best to rinse it off thoroughly for a period of time gotcha and you mentioned something earlier about development of contractures when someone's you know laid up in bed is physical therapy part of it you know part of the treatment protocol they're in there they're burned sure they're getting all these fucking wound care and all that other shit is it move it or lose it thing the same way like ortho went that route before it was kind of you'd be laid up in bed after you know an acl repair but now they get you moving pretty quick uh we try to get people moving here pretty quickly too we have a very strong multidisciplinary team here 
And part of a, you know, an ABA verified burn center involves having very, very strong ties with physical therapists. It's very important to get people moving, um, things like that. It sort of uh, helps keep the range of motion in their joints. It helps minimize some of their contractures. So a lot of times when people have these really bad injuries, what we do is, it sounds weird, but we actually, sometimes people get put in splints hmm. or they get put in casts and different things like that to keep their feet from getting like foot drop and contractures that way because they're going to be immobile. And the reason that's important, it sort of depends on what stage they are in their injury. You know, sometimes early mobility is a good thing, but when we're talking about people who get really badly burned and they have third degree burn injuries, third degree burn injuries need skin grafts Whoa. for the most part. They, you know, you got to have something that replaces the damaged skin that's full thickness and sort of burned all the way through and through. Right. And a lot of times what that is, it means you have to go to another site in your body to borrow that skin from. Typically the legs, you know, the upper thighs or the legs. <laughs> so you do have to borrow skin. And when you do borrow skin, it's kind of funny. You're taking a thin layer of skin from one spot and you're putting it on another spot to sort of help that spot. So now you have, you know, sort of two different areas of injury. Right. One of them is to try to help the other area of injury. Most of the time, the skin graft areas, the donor sites, usually what they're called, right. uh, they usually heal up fine with some mild discoloration and some mild scarring, not quite as bad as the burned area. Right. But it's still another area that's now injured. So you basically have a two-fold cosmetic type situation where you have two injured areas now. One was caused to help repair another area. Right. And yeah, one is the, the primary area. How is that not fully synthetic yet? Like, didn't they have some tilapia fucking fish skin? <laughs> huh? Yeah, we've got stuff. It's called, uh, you know, we, we have things that are called xenograft. Xenograft is animal right. graft or animal dermis. And there's a variety, I mean, cow, pig, tilapia. There's a ton of different things that we're using for it. They have cadaver grafts, which are basically, you know, how people donate uh, cadaveric or right. from people who have passed. There are cadaver people where they donate dermis and skin. Wow from deceased people. Yeah, and they harvest it and they donate it and you can use it as a temporary barrier for the most part. These aren't really permanent solutions though. These are temporary solutions to sort of cover up sure. the wounded areas and maybe like if you have an infection or something like that to sort of temporize things while you're trying to get the infection under control or you're so badly injured you don't have any skin anywhere else because you know, you burned up 90% of your skin, 100% of your skin. Right. Really, so you gotta, exactly. So you have to use something else to sort of cover things. They have a lot of stuff in the pipeline from a technology standpoint for potentially spraying on skin. Right. Potentially, yeah, there are companies that are growing dermis now and stuff like that. Okay, okay, okay. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's called cultured epithelial cells. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want that J-Lo skin. Holla, holla. I want that J-Lo order. Oh, don't burn yourself then, man. J-Lo glow, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, man, that's that's interesting shit. So uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I, I want to inject my own field of choice into this and uh, ask you how much of I mean, because you're, you're in fortunately, you're in a hospital that is not lacking resources and, you know, sort of interdisciplinary work is, is way more likely to happen in, in, a, in a well to do hospital. That being the case, how much of psychiatry is meshed in with the treatment of somebody who suffers like these serious burns? 
you just always got to bring it back to bring it back to the mothership, right? Bring it back to your love, your baby. Your I do, baby. I do not. You just got to end on that punchline, like because if we're all human. I, I want to deflate your your <laughs> your surgeon fucking standing up on your podium. Um, no, but but the, the reason I ask, and to your point, uh, even though you made it a little bit in jest, but to, to your point, um, uh, you know, classically surgery's got this, you know, oh, fuck those guys, they, you know, they heal with steel, if they can't cut it, they don't want it, you know, that sort of shit. Um, but hearing you talk, I got a very different feel, you know, when I was gung-ho interested in ortho, I remember seeing patients in, in like outpatient clinic, like as part of my early education, and, there was this lady who had like the classic, you know, dashboard fucking injury, clipped her legs, fucking both her legs broken, had some nice fucking rods in them. She never met the surgeon. It happened, she was airlifted um, and she had this beautiful healing. And the surgeon who was, you know, looking at the, at the films was like, oh man, this looks great. Like, yeah, they, they nailed it. And I just, that always struck me because she didn't know this person. She never followed up with him. She never, and nor should she have. I'm not knocking the surgeon. It's not his fault. But there was a trauma. They had her fucking repair. She recovered and life went on. With something like a burn, this seems more, you're, you're kind of tethered to this person for a little while, no? Oh, definitely. The healing process. All right, so the first thing is, generally speaking, when somebody gets burned, <clears throat> even minor burn injuries, like you get some blisters or you, know, you get some partial thickness injury burns, most people are going to have surgical solutions and they're going to want to fix your burn if your burn is not going to heal in three weeks or less. And part of the reason for that is there's higher chances of you having infections, you'll have worse scar outcomes and worse healing. Right. So generally speaking, if you know some professionals looked at you and evaluated your burn injuries and don't think they're going to heal in three weeks or less, or you have other complications or other factors that are in your comorbidities or something like that, mm -hmm. people will generally want to do a surgical solution, a skin graft or excising your burn wound or doing some sort of wound care and dressing and stuff like that on it. Gotcha. That's sort of like the, the first uh, portion of that. The second part of that is it's a conversation when we're talking about the reconstructive aspects of burn surgery, right? What bothers somebody doesn't always bother somebody else. So when you have right. a scar and you have an injury, some scars are, I'm not talking just the aesthetics. That is one part of it. Somebody objectively does not like the way their you know, face looks, does not like the way their arm looks, the way their hand looks. But for, you know, acute and reconstructive burn surgery, we are also very interested in the functional aspect of things. You know, that person who has this burn injury is somebody's mother, father, brother, sister. They have things that they do in their life, like jobs, they can work. Maybe you're a laborer and you work with your hands. Right. Or maybe you're the caretaker and you work with your hands to cook your family a meal. If you can't functionally use your hand because you can't straighten out your fingers or you have pain in your hands that you can't use your hands, that is a very sort of personal sure. thing and a very subjective thing. Yeah. You know, if you're sitting at a computer desk all day and you don't need to straighten your arm out, it doesn't bother you and you don't want to have elective surgery at that point to reconstruct whatever it is to straighten it out or that scar doesn't really bother you or it's not painful, right. then that's sort of a very personal thing yeah. because, you know, scars as they're healing can be painful. People can get all kinds of symptoms from it. They can get tingling, they can get itching, they can get burning. And it, objectively, 
you don't see anything, but that's, you know, the inside, all your nerves are fried and things like that. So you can have a variety of different sensations. And some people are bothered by these things. Right. And there are new technologies like laser therapy and steroid therapy and things like that that can help modulate some of these things. So it's a very sort of subjective and it's a very intimate conversation that a burn surgeon would have with a burn survivor. Right. And then the other thing is from a support group standpoint, there are tons of resources and support groups. You know, we have the burn survivors of New England group up here that is a very big group and provides a lot of support for their burn survivors. And they have conversations with them and talk with them about things. And there is is life after burn injuries it's just you know when you're in the mix of it all you may need a little psychiatric help sure to sort of get through things uh you may even need a little bit of addiction help or pain management help to get through some of these things because you do have real injuries and these real injuries are painful but they're potentially is a chance of having higher rates of pain medication abuse sure. and pain addiction and stuff like that because you do have real injuries and you are trying to cope with them physically, emotionally, mentally. So you do need a pretty broad team while you're going through this. And when you're trying to go through rehab, holy smokes, man, those physical therapists are pushing you. They're trying to straighten out your arm and your leg and work with your joints and so you don't get contractures. Those things are painful. Right. Dressing changes. You said this earlier, dressing changes, wicked painful. Yeah, brutal brutal yeah sometimes so good pain control is one of the many arms and modalities of trying to get people through all these things well man good stuff good stuff i i really appreciate you taking the time out to to do the show man i really appreciate it i think this is uh i think it turned out well a lot of good information hopefully we can uh chop it up in time and get it out there yeah i hope so i hope it helps i hope people learn something from it and uh absolutely hope it helps some people absolutely no I, I i think you did just that i think you gave some good stuff to think about yeah man appreciate it hopefully we can do it again sometime soon hopefully you get your shit running and start doing your own show yeah hopefully <laughs> hopefully actually you know what your show this will this is actually your show is going to be actually excellent I do um, a science and teaching uh, sort of gig up here with uh, like STEM stuff, like science, yeah, technology, yeah. education students. And we have a program up here that's sort of based out of Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital over here. Uh -huh. And they take high school students who are interested in careers in healthcare profession. Yeah. And I think they would benefit a lot from listening to your station because typically these students are, you know, not necessarily from the most financially privied yeah. background. Forget they're the creme de la creme of these socioeconomically depressed areas that they happen to be from I, but they're really sharp yeah. and they're really motivated kids and um, that's awesome i think they would benefit from your station so i'm gonna post this at some point uh, so you better edit the shit out of it yeah so that i can post it so they can listen to it no 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 absolutely and and yeah man and and truthfully i say they're ghetto with deep love and respect because I'm ghetto, man. And I, and I think it's really awesome to me when, you know, growing up in those sorts of environments and you still find a way to make it. I, you know, I really find it uh, striking how many people um, serving the communities that we serve here say to me like, oh man, you know, like you're the best doctor we've had or man, thank you for taking time and talking to us because it always feels like weird because I think I'm doing for you what I hope you would do for me. Like that's really what this is about. And it bothers me sometimes to get like praise from somebody for doing something that I'm shocked that this isn't the standard, like you should be doing this, you know? Um, and talking to kids who are interested in medicine and still putting themselves out there and, and saying, look, this is where I wanna be, but I don't know how to get there. 
that's something I wish I would have done at that age. I didn't have the balls to do it then. I kept it to myself, you know. So yeah, they're they're very brave kids, man. I uh, you know you know me. I I grew up in the Bronx. Yeah, so man. Born and raised in the Boogie Down Bronx, and a lot of shady stuff happening all around me. So a lot of props to kids. I mean, um, my group. I think they're I think their handles at HMS Med Science or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think the hopefully there's a lot of people in that group that will probably listen, and you can probably drop some knowledge on them and profoundly impact them. So thanks for having the show. No man, that's awesome. Again, thanks for doing it, and uh, I'll reach out to you soon. Hopefully we can uh, we can set another one up. Sounds good, dude. All right, bro. Happy Fourth, everybody. Be safe. Well, of course, man. I got, but I gotta get my tan on, bro. <laughs> get that cocoa butter. Where's that baby oil? <laughs> I won't do it. I won't do it. I'll be thinking of you if I'm in pain. <laughs> All right, brother. No, take it easy, bro. Thanks again. Bye. Medicine Remix fam, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Hopefully you found that episode valuable and or entertaining. And if you did, please, please, please consider sharing the podcast and writing us a review on iTunes. It would mean the entire world to us and it would help us spread the word about Medicine Remixed tremendously. We love you. Stay tuned for some amazing interviews that we have on the chopping block. Lots of good shit coming from our studio to your ears on the brand new season of the one and only Medicine Remix. <laughs>